Welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show. From Austin, Texas, I'm the internet's Christopher Schmidt. And on today's show, we talk with Jason Pomatel about variable fonts and the future of web topography. Jason is the author of Responsive Topography, a book from O'Reilly Media, and he recently won one of the best of awards for his web topography talk at this annual CSS Dev Conference in 2017 in New Orleans. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles, tutorials, and inspiration handpicked by yours truly. You can sign up for it at uxdesignnewsletter.com. I have the best links of the week sent to your email box. Speaking of newsletters, you can set it and forget it with a non-breaking space show newsletter. Whenever a new show is ready, you can be notified right away in your inbox by signing up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. You can find show notes and links discussed for this episode at nonbreakingspace.tv. And be sure to follow me, Christopher, on Twitter at Telejekt, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. As always, I thank you for telling others about Nonbreaking Space. Now, on with the show. How was your desktop uh, experience? We didn't get to talk much. It was, it was pretty awesome. I am not going to lie. Yeah. Talks were great. Yeah. I had an amazing time. And it was like homecoming. Yeah. yeah. I love web conferences. I really do. It's just like seeing well, like, tons guess, of old friends. Okay. So I guess you go to a lot of, I guess you go, I guess you go to other conferences, I guess the Cal would be one, I guess you go to, or is that or like a designer, a designing conference? Is that, um, like, I, I don't know what other conferences you go to. I mean, I know there's other yeah. conferences. You know, I'm, not, I'm not like, you know, I'm not just believer of or they, they didn't exist or anything, but it's, what other conferences in your circle? Um, so, uh, so I have spoken at How Design before, um, and and like that one because it's such a, a non digital audience, which is which is kind of cool. Um, and so uh, the other the other sort of like non webby stuff are like the type conferences I've been speaking at the last few years. Um, so um, like. TypeCon um, is like the big U.S. focused um, type and, and type design um, and typography conference, and then A Type I is the big international one. And they were actually both in North America within like two weeks this year. And so, okay. like, I spoke in Boston, and then two weeks later, I was in Montreal for the week, like teaching a workshop and giving a talk. And um, and it's like every type designer that you could ever imagine um you know i was like hanging out with a guy um that designed proxima nova all week and you know it's like oh hey oh it's just mark you know it's just um and and like um i had this total like nerd fanboy moment like um matthew carter was there and you know he's like he's like a living type design deity and you know, he's just like hanging out, listening to all the talks. And like, he was in my talk. And then I saw him in the airport and he said hi. And I was like, I'm such a nerd. But, <laughs> but I love that. I love that that always happens. You know, if it's like, if it's a web conference, um, you know, it's like a totally different audience. So 
you know, I can give talks that are totally design focused and like, here's what you can do with the cool tech, but like, it's really about your typography or I can, you know, like at CSS dev conference, it was, um, as much focused on like, Hey, like look at the unbelievably hard problems this solves and, and look at like how hard this is hitting the industry right now. And, and everybody's super excited about it and they want to see code. They want to see the examples and like, they get it. Like they, they know why this is such a big deal and they're like psyched about it. Um, so yeah, like the, you know, just like a nice breadth of, um, of audiences at, at some of the different events. Well, yeah, well, I think that's like, that's like winning, right? That's like, you were able to take your love and, uh, your knowledge of, of typefaces and go to different, uh, you know, spheres. I, I don't know, but it's a word, but like different, uh, industries or different, uh, niches and stuff. Yeah, that's, that's totally it. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, even going back to when I wrote my book, it was, addressing these three different audiences of print designers that know typography, web designers that know the web, but don't know typography and developers who need to know how to implement it well. And, and so it's like, I'm still having those like separate kinds of conversations. Right. But yeah, so your, your book, your book, if I remember your talk, just responsive web typography, you know, it's published by O'Reilly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, and um, and uh, I enjoyed the book, and uh, just a lot of great tips for for photography that you know, I didn't know about. Um, and also, I felt like it was also like uh, you know, you spoke at Artifact Conference, which is you know a conference that uh, uh, you worked with uh, Jeff Robinson with uh, for multiple device designs, and you did a great uh, web photography talk for response design. I thought, oh, this is they're just like drilling down into like the nuts and bolts of, of, of great topography and so forth. Like, so that's awesome. So, um, so yeah, so no one's done that book yet. Are you going to do a sequel of the book? Um, I don't book? think I'm going to because like yeah. Rich Rudder just put out a really great book and Bram Stein from Typekit just put out a really great book. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess the, the maybe in my mind, like I really wasn't thinking about it, but. Um, both of these books came out before variable fonts was really a thing. And the more that I'm talking about them and thinking about them and working with them, the more I'm realizing that this potentially changes way more than just like the basics. I think it, it, it will change what typography is uh, because it actually makes typography itself more dynamic and reactive to to user context and and that's something we've never ever been able to do before and and so i think those are some really exciting developments and that that someone needs to write about and that might be book worthy okay yeah well let's just um set the table i guess like what uh you know you the first time i've really kind of heard about the variable font was like when you submitted your your topic for ccdevconf i was like okay that sounds Sounds interesting, and uh, and then uh, and then congratulations, you won like uh, best of for a season, of, which is a really hard thing to do because it's like you have to get submit. Oh, there's a pencil. I, I am so, so proud of this. <laughs> so I just like carry like, around. You have to pen, get you know. You know. Shit. I mean, it, it is actually a working pencil. It's a giant 
It's a giant number two pencil. So it's so if you ever get into a Scantron fight, you are I'm, I'm, I'm locked in. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so just in case people don't know, like we've never been to see the pump, but you uh, we do uh, call for session ideas, and those get voted and double blind voting, and then so then the winners, which are like few out of hundreds, uh, get picked uh, like more dozens. Um, and then once you're there at the conference, uh, we actually uh, have like voting during the conference, and so there's like top six get best up. And so you were like this year in uh, 2017, you're like you're, you're picked for the variable fonts uh, session. So and even though you you uh, and uh, the the set that I don't know if it's like it's a hard thing or, or a bad thing, but like as a winner, you have to like give a presentation again for people who miss it. So it's like it's really tough, I know, but. Uh, but I didn't get a chance to see it because you were in a different room. I was like stationed in the ballroom for the whole entire conference. So, but uh, so I, I missed out your talk. But I went through your slides. But um, in just case, like just for me and for other people like me, can you just explain what our variable fonts sure. are? And um, just so, um, so one of the best explanations that I can think of is uh, if you think about so. Okay, so a typeface and a font. A typeface is a family of designs that encompasses different weights and variants of the styling of letters. So uh, I'm deliberately trying to not like fall into like using these words themselves. But um, if you are um, if you're using Franklin Gothic and you want Franklin Gothic bold, Franklin Gothic extra heavy, uh, Franklin Gothic italic, those are all the weights and variants of the typeface. The font refers to that specific weight or variant. It's actually a separate file. And so that's the key thing here is for a really large family of, uh, of like a typeface, um, like the typeface family for open sans has 18 or 26 different weights and variants. So it's one typeface, but there's, let's say, 26 different files. And so... So so you would say, like, those 26 weights and variants, there are each 26 fonts within the typeface? Right, exactly. Yes. To say? So, so the, the term font is actually, you're referring to a piece of software, which, which is that individual file that you st- install on your computer or you serve on your website, and, and that is what renders Franklin Gothic bold italic on the user screen. And when you use them on the web, you have to load each one of those things separately. So each one is its own HTTP request, it's its own file size, you know, on and on and on. And so what has tended to happen over the years is that we use a smaller number of them so that we don't slow down the user experience. And that means we can be perhaps a little less expressive in the typography put on the screen. The sort of revolutionary thing about a variable font is it is one font that acts like many so that you contain all of the different widths, weights, variants, uh, slant even, um, and a few other things that we can sort of dig into um, all in a single file. Now, that file is a little bit bigger than... um, like a single font, like weight or variant, but not as big as maybe three or four. 
So when you think of how much more variety you could get, literally thousands of combinations with a single file instead of three or four combinations and that's it. So that's what's really remarkable about the file format itself and then its application on the web because it is all tied into CSS means we can load that single file and use CSS to create just you know wonderfully expressive stuff and really uh, without the kinds of constraints that we've been living with since 2009 when at fontface first became a thing. Yeah, I remember when I used to talk about the images before we had um, source set and sizes attributes, you know, I was like, I'd go through, okay, this is how we can do different types of responsive treatments. And like, and one of them I would always recite, you know, very briefly was like responsive topography. And one of the solutions I kind of like, you know, just kind of poo was that uh, uh, using a, you know, a typeface, right? And then, because then you could just say, hey, well, if I just want this font, which is a thin font, so I can use that for smaller devices. But if I grow, uh, if it's like a large desktop display, I can still go to the typeface and use a, you know, a thicker, you know, a heavier weight for it. And it would still be in the same, you know, family right. and it'd be, it's, it'd still be great. However, I like, kind of like, well, like you're, you're downloading like 12 file files and those aren't right. cheap in terms of performance hits. And so, um, so that's why I like the, the, the concept is just one large file, but it's also just like a little bit of a bigger hit, but um, I think it's great. So do you know how the savings come up come about by just by using one file versus so like the, the, the technical um, it's it's really it's really pretty fascinating. So uh, the way this works is what's stored in that font is the outline of the normal instance of that character. And then every other instance is stored just in the delta of those points along the outline of the letter. So it's only storing the difference for this weight to that one and um, you know, uh, move this point this far. So it's a tiny, you know, it's a fraction of the amount of data and the savings are sort of algorithmic or logarithmic rather, um, meaning the more variations you have, the more savings you get. So, you know, if you're really just trying to replicate four different widths or weights of something, it's a little better. But the truth is you can actually represent 30 or 50 different ones and, and you get even more savings over the aggregate total there every time. Right. And the more you buy, the more you save. It, it is actually that. And, um, and what's really cool is that once you, like uh, just today, um, Adobe, or maybe it was yesterday, uh, Adobe um, announced that in addition to variable font support shipping this week in type uh, in um, Photoshop and Illustrator, uh, they also released several variable fonts. Um, they're working on Source Sans. They're working on Minion and Myriad and Acumen. So there's a bunch of things to play around with. And um, uncompressed in a true type format, um, Source Sans was like 83K. And once they actually wrap it in a WAF wrapper, you're gonna get even better compression. It might even be as little as half that or less. So now we're getting, we actually could get into the same territory of a single font file. You know, if it's a well, you know, there's a bunch of caveats here because it's a brand new format. But if it's 
a well-constructed font, you will get better and better optimization with it. And so this has width, weight, and slant in one file, and you know it's only 83K. So you know, bring that down to maybe 40 or 45K, that's not so different from any other single weight of a, of a font, and yet you have thousands of variations. And it's source sans. I mean, it's like it's the new Arial. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a really nice, usable, readable typeface. It happens, you know, it and open sans are incredibly common these days, but, um, but that's okay. It's still better than those typefaces and it still gives you more expressive capabilities. So, so, I mean, you mentioned a couple of file formats there. So I just mm-hmm. want to just go over them. If you, sure. could, if you could go like, so you mentioned uh, true type format, which has been around forever. Uh, Wolf, whoops, I never really said it out loud till now. So uh, you explained that, and that's W O F F, I guess. And then uh, I guess uh, variable fonts are, you know, assuming like is a separate new file format, right? Um, sort of. So as as okay. in everything, it depends how you want to answer that. But um, right, which is my favorite yes. phrase. But. So technically, <laughs> what we're referring to is an evolution of the open type font format. So when OpenType was introduced, um, that was the first font file format that would work on both Mac and Windows and other operating systems too. But that was the, the big primary goal was to make it work on both of those platforms. And that, um, that OpenType format is, um, it, that is the basis for a lot of the advanced features that we use on the web but it has to be put in a wrapper. And WAF, which I, I should have looked this up before, I think it's like the web open font format or something like that. And um, that became the one, the first time we had a font format, file format that was supported across all platforms and browsers. And, and so previous to that, you would need to load um, a true type format an EOT format for Windows, um, an SVG format for old iPhones and, and some other devices, and um, and then WAF for like the newer browsers. And, right, I remember the, like the like the gymnastics we had yeah. to do for the yep. base. Yeah, so like you have to have them in the right order, and like it's just it's ridiculous. So um, that's all now giving way to the WAF format, and WAF two is one with greater compression. But not that has less support. WAF, you can, you know, it covers like ninety-five or ninety-six percent or something like that of the devices on the web. So basically you could get away with serving probably like just true type and WAF or just EOT and WAF, depending on what how far back you want browser support. Um generally speaking, you know, we're really across everything that's modern, it's just WAF or WAF2. And WAF2 is where you see the biggest file savings um, kind of across the board. So, uh, you know, these aren't, um, you know, particularly scientific, but, um, you know, if I were looking at an, an evolving design from uh, a, a friend of mine, um, the true type format for this is from CJ Dunn. Uh, he's got this Lovet font that he's uh, typeface that he's designing, and the true type format is 45k. The WAF two format is nine. 
Oh, and, wow. and that's not a, like a complete character set, but, um, but just to give you an idea of the savings, um, it's pretty tremendous. So when you see stuff out there, like Source Sands is only available in true type format at the moment. So we can play, but you can't necessarily use it everywhere. But um, as soon as they also release that with WAF and WAF 2, you've got massive coverage and you can kind of use them pretty much everywhere and you get you know this huge file savings to boot. Okay. And so a variable file is just like a de de designation within WAF 2 or WAF? Um, well, it's in what's, what it's wrapped in. So in the original like true type or open type um, font file, the, the wrapper kind of doesn't matter. So WAF and WAF 2 is really just a way to compress it more. And um, within that one file, they still have, uh, you can still have what we refer to as named instances of bold, regular, um, bold, thin, bold, extra wide, you know, all of those kinds of things. So um, the browser and the operating system can still work with them just like multiple fonts. So the, the operating system will still know what to do with that. And, and the, the, the cool thing is Mac OS High Sierra that just shipped and the latest release of Windows 10, which just shipped like this week, both have operating system support for variable fonts. And Windows 10 actually ships with Bondshrift, which is their first variable font, which is uh, a really nice sense of a little reminiscent of DIN um, and it's like 26K. So, you know, it's, uh, it's still, you know, a lot of people will, the first thing they'll ask is, well, like, what's the file size like if you're doing all this stuff? Um, and, you know, we can see, like, an operating system quality typeface at 26K with, it's only got one axis of variation, which is weight. So you can make it really thin to, you know, to really heavy. But, um, but that's still pretty remarkable, and it's small. And if you think about how complete that typeface must be, to ship as part of the OS, that should tell you, you know, that's a that's a pretty robust typeface. Right. Yeah. So I just want to go just step back. I want to make sure I, I understand this correctly. And uh, so I don't want to be the like you know the form. So a variable font just it doesn't really matter what file format is in, it just it's just how it's delivered. So so like so I can just have a I guess I was trying to wrap my head around like, like if I wanted to create a variable font, do I just have a tool that can export the variable fonts, and then then I could just say, hey, it's a variable font that I want to export as WAF two. Is that, is that right? um sort sort of? Um, I mean, you do okay. like there's a there's a bunch of work that you have to do in a font creation program. Like Glyphs app is one of the ones that's starting to ship with support for creating variable fonts, and um, so. I probably should pause for a second and actually give a little bit more history of, of its announcement and evolution. Um, and that'll maybe put this in more understandable context. Um, this format was only announced a year ago. And so this was a, you know, in September of 2016, um, at a type I, which is a big international type and typography conference. Um, it, they, uh, it was Microsoft, Google, Apple, and Adobe, all got up and they announced here, this is this brand new thing. And, you know, like nobody in the room knew this was coming. It was like this massive surprise. And uh, it was totally kind of blew everybody's mind because they were showing this stuff in a browser. 
It was, it worked. And, um, there have been attempts at this kind of thing before. If you go back to the nineties or multiple master fonts, um, I, there was also an attempt with, from Apple with true type GX and it, it has never really caught on, but it didn't have the web as like the giant gorilla to swing things by the tail and say like, this really has to happen. So, um, so it, it was announced then and there was no tooling yet. Like everything was, um, kind of duct tape together to, to try and figure out how to design these things, um, how to export them, how to optimize them, how to see if they actually work because, you know, there was no support in the operating system yet. So you couldn't look at it there. Um, but within three weeks, Miles Maxfield at Apple had a build of WebKit for me that I was able to take on stage at a conference, you know, like three weeks after this was announced where I could actually show them in action. So we've actually been able to work with them in the browser much longer than anyone's been able to actually do anything on the operating system side. So with like a native application. And that was really pretty awesome um, to be able to be a part of that and and then work with the CSS working group and, and all that. So, so, you know, flash forward a year, um, browser support is much better. I mean, I'll, I'll talk more about that in a minute, but, um, but the, the ability for us, like we can actually go and find some type designers out there right now that are selling variable fonts. Um, there are some software packages for that font designers, type designers are using, um, to actually create them. You know, they don't have to use all of these like crazy Python tools that people write. Like if you want to know where Python's a big deal, it's in type design. Like those are the nerdiest people you will ever meet. I'm not kidding. Um, I love it. I love type conferences. So, um, so like now there's, there's programs that can make them. Um, and if you, you know, have a, a typeface that you've designed, um, you can export it. Uh, you know, if you've designed it in the right way, you can sort of export it with this format and then you can use a, another tool to like wrap it in the WAF wrapper to compress it and say, okay, now it's a variable font. Um, and the, and the browser, you, you, with the way we would use it on the web, um, you're just using CSS and either it works or it doesn't, which is, you know, the beautiful thing about CSS. So if it really is a variable font, then it will behave exactly the way you want. Um, you can use these, um, or at the intent is that you'll be able to use these named things and say, well, I want bold and it will just show you bold. Um, and then if there are other sort of keywords that have been set up in it, like extra light or compressed or condensed, then it will jump to that width. Otherwise, you can use font variation settings. So font dash variation dash settings. Um, and then these sort of uh, special keyword value syntax of weight would be like quotation mark WGHT close quotation mark space and a number between, you know, one and a thousand, you know, I want weight. And, and that's not every, uh, typeface will support every weight. It's up to the designer, but you can uncover that. Um, and actually it's going to get easier, um, with a tool that Lawrence Penny's working on. Um, he's at LORP, L-O-R-P on, on Twitter, but he's the guy that created the Axis Praxis website which is um, axis-praxis.org. 
Uh, and that website you can go to in the current shipping version of Chrome or Safari, and uh, and you can actually play with variable fonts in the browser. He's got a whole bunch of them there. It's a whole UI that you can, and it will show you what all the axes are, and you can see what the numbers are that you can play around with. So you can then just like copy that into your CSS, and and like off you go. Um, it's 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 amazing. And what's even more amazing to me is that we're living in this little wild west where we get to shape what's going on in the CSS working group. Uh, we get to influence what the browser vendors are doing and, and what type designers are producing by creating the demand for this. Like We want it because it solves all these problems for us on the web. And, and it lets us do all these crazy cool things. So you know, it's like with Grid, the more you talk about it, the, the more energy there is behind it, the more we speak about it and evangelize it and, and use it, um, the more we get. And it's, there's a huge incentive for Google and, and Adobe and Microsoft in particular um, to, to get this going and Monotype too with their service. Um, they're all working on tooling to, to you know, convert all their existing library of, of typefaces over this format. And, uh, and just the bandwidth savings alone for the type services if you're only serving one small file instead of 37, and you know Google serves something like 26 billion instances of Open Sans every week. I mean, every week. Imagine you know that's to 20 million different websites. So imagine if that's 20 million websites that are all serving one file instead of all of these different variations. Just the you know because of the nature of browser caching, you know, all coming from the same network, they're bandwidth bill is going to drop like a stone. I mean, it's, you know, it's amazing what, what could come from that. Um, so I think, you know, in a lot of different directions, there's uh, a lot of reasons why this is, is going to be really cool. And it, it's going to work this time. Yeah. I just think, I think you're right. With like the, the, I think I'm not sure it's really like the beast of the web or the motivation of the web. And I think also responsible design, this multi-device world that we live in. It's just a, a great motivator, motivator, and then also like it just—it's just it's really smart. Like you know, with with Git and GitHub, like just being able to save changes in Delta to reserve, you know, like yeah, keep files yeah, sizes low. I mean, it made it made, and then you know, and you know, Google has Google Fonts, and you know, Apple has a great rich uh, history of typefaces, and um, and, and Windows does too. So it's just like they, they all know, like you know, the importance yeah. of, uh, of of or the downside of, of different web fonts. Uh, too, so it just it just makes I can understand like if you put those things in, in his like in context, you just understand like why they went from like almost zero to one hundred percent within a year. It's like it's amazing. Yeah, okay. well, I mean, and and like you know, we had this period in March where all of a sudden, I think it was March, March or May, where we went from like zero to like eighty percent or seventy something percent support for CSS Grid, like across the board. And, and, you know, we have Rachel Andrew and Jen Simmons to thank for that. Like, they're just so unbelievable. And they're like, they just were so, um, so driven and so consistent in the message that they were delivering. And, you know, right. you think about like what Jen talks about with layout. I mean, she's such a good designer. She's like such a, a good thinker about this stuff. And um, the parallel 
is, you know, we can do all these awesome things with layout. Now we can do all these awesome things with typography to go with all of these awesome ideas about layout. And, and it's all within, you know, it's all controllable in CSS. So like one of the things that um, I've been talking about this year and actually something that I showed at CSS Dev Conference was actually building some typographic tools into the CMS. So we could actually get the designer back in the room when content is being published and allow for typesetting a headline. You know, if you have a combination of like viewport units to let things scale and, and a little bit of clever work in, you know, in your Drupal or WordPress or craft website, um, you could actually add in some tools that allow people to create a pull quote that actually has, you know, different size words to like, you know, create that more interesting kind of editorial style layout. And, you know, couple that with the different things that Jen shows that like now we, we can do magazine layout on the web in a really interesting way, in a way that's right for the medium. We're still respecting the web. You know, I don't think we're going against its grain in any way, you know, to borrow from Frank Camaro. But um, like that, that is, this is the biggest thing to me since responsive design. I mean, like the amount of freedom it gives us as designers. And that's to say nothing of accessibility. This was something I hadn't really thought that much about until I started messing around. One of the axes of variation, um, and I should say, like, uh, when I refer to an axis of variation, I mean um, width or weight or slant, like any way you can man manipulate the shape of this letter. One of those that is uh, often used is optical size, which is really remarkable. So when the type gets physically smaller, when it was in metal type, they would actually expand the shapes a little bit to make it more legible at a physically small size. So, so the bowl of a lowercase b would actually be physically bigger at six point in metal type than it was at 12 or 18. And, and that was to aid legibility, especially, you know, as it gets physically smaller, the printing is going to be less precise. But that's uh, even on a high-res screen on your phone, that makes a big difference. So if we have optical sizing enabled, as the type gets smaller, it's still going to stay legible. And, and the, another one of these axes that I find really interesting is grade, which thickens the stroke of the characters without changing the physical space that it occupies. And, and so what's really remarkable about that is you could think about someone with low vision, you know, they don't have really uh, strong detail. One of the things that helps them is stronger contrast between foreground and background. So as an aid in accessibility, if they could toggle a heavier grade of that text, they could read a lot more easily. And the same thing would be true in a low light situation. So it might not work very well yet, but there's a web API for tying into the ambient light sensor on a phone. So imagine that we could actually build that into the website so that when you're viewing it on a phone and it's dim, and you could certainly do this in an app, like if you like the medium app could do this. And, and they, they could actually make that text slightly easier to read, slightly stronger contrast as the, as the ambient light gets lower. So that's what I mean about um, typography itself actually changing from what anything that we could do before. 
so we've got like amazing stuff we can do um, and just design vocabulary. We've got uh, like crazy fast downloads. You know, our performance is going to be much better. And then on top of that, we can do all this stuff to make it easier for people to read and also make it easier to read on a small device um, because another axis is width. So we could make letters slightly narrower on a phone and get more letters per line and have a little bit easier rhythm for us, you know, as a human, um, really short lines of text kind of make it sort of choppy, but, uh, slightly longer lines make the reading experience more comfortable. So all of us that are, you know, trying to like catch up on the, you know, on the news while we're standing in line, um, you actually, or if you're sitting on a couch, you could actually read a book on your phone and it would be a much more comfortable reading experience if you have that slightly better line length and it wouldn't sacrifice the overall readability. Yeah, I mean, I think that like, Amazon's trying to do a lot of work with making their Kindle easier to read and that a verbal font would go a long way. It would. Yeah. Problem. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm a, you know, I'm a developer and an engineer. Uh, I love the promise of verbal fonts. What's the browser support look like? How can I get my hands on them? Um, what do I need so, to do? So, um, High Sierra and iOS 11 shipped with full support in Safari. So we have active uh, support for variable fonts there. Um, Chrome 62 shipped on Tuesday of this week on the 17th. So I don't know when this airs, but um, so it's out now. Uh, so you don't need an experimental flag there. Um, I know Firefox, the Firefox team is working on it. Um, I don't know what their plans are for shipping it. Um, nudge, nudge. Um, uh, so like that would be awesome. And I know that the Edge team is um, perhaps even days away from uh, this completely unconfirmed. I know they're working on it. Um, it's quite possible that there will be a, you know, like a nightly build or something like that that will have support for them pretty soon. Um, so we've got um, operating system, system support in currently shipping um, Mac and Windows. Um, we've got browser support in Safari and Chrome. And, and we've got active development in Firefox and, and Edge. So um, it's, it's getting pretty good. And I, I suspect that we're, you know, a few months away, um, you know, by spring, I'm guessing, like we'll have official full support in, in like all of the, the shipping major browsers. And, um, and you can go, uh, Adobe uh, tweeted out some stuff um, about Source Sans and a few other experimental ones that they have. A lot of these things are hosted on GitHub. So you can actually go to GitHub and search for variable fonts, and you'll find a whole bunch that you can play with. And then if you go to the Access Praxis website, um, Lawrence Penny's got a bunch of stuff there. Um, I've got, um, I can actually give you, um, we can add a link maybe in the show notes um, to go. Um, uh, on my site, I've got a bunch of demo pages that people can like find in a GitHub repo, and they link to variable fonts that I host. Um, so you can play around with stuff that way. Um, I'm working on uh, getting some tutorials together, so you know, give people a little bit more to go on when they when they want to learn about it. Okay, great, that's awesome. 
like so it sounds like wow we just went from like a year and a half and announcing it it's gonna go to uh you know, full-fledged production um, yeah so, uh, it's it, yeah. it's it's really wild and um, i mean like i've i've given a talk about variable fonts uh eight or nine or ten times this year and not once even when it's been less than two weeks between talks have i not had things to update i mean it is it's moving so quickly um and i mean it's just like the support of uh you know people like miles people like lawrence um peter constable at microsoft i'm trying to think of some of the other people that have just been so influential with this um i know i'm i'm leaving off a lot of names but um but that you know well i i mean to say i mean i should just say again i mean adobe launched it like they did it i mean it's in it's in photoshop it's in illustrator um they've got type that that ships with it and installs with it so you can play around with it right there um i mean it's it's pretty amazing um how quickly this is becoming a reality yeah it's amazing like and you like you said you couple that with like CSS grid and um, it, with uh, viewport unit sizing, it's just going to be amazing. Yeah. What, what, what we can do easily, and it's like pretty much like we're throwing out everything we learned and, and having fun. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you yeah. can you know you could even throw CSS variables in the mix there for sizing your typography. There's some amazing stuff that people are doing there, um, and you can use at supports to make sure that it's scoped to only be served to sites that can to browsers that can actually handle it so you really could put it into production today safely okay so it'd be like at support you know verbal fonts is um, i so what you um what has worked best is um tie it into something specific like font variation settings um optical size like that's one um that is it's not width, it's not weight. Uh, you know, if the browser understands this, um, and I have some of that in the sample stuff that I put up, so we can okay. we can make sure. Um, and you know, people are always welcome to like tweet me and say that they need me to explain something to them, and I will do it. Yeah. Okay, so we'll link your your site definitely in the show notes as well as uh, I think we'll link to your slides and see some stuff too. So that's good. So, yeah, awesome. and I, I think like we yeah. well it. I gave the talk two weeks earlier um, at Web Unleashed, and and as much as I wish that I had a video from CSS Dev Conference, that other one should be live soon, um, and and I'll have that on my site as well, um, so people can can check that out. And like the version of the slides that I gave at CSS Dev Conference is there on my site. Um, so you know those two things together can be like the peanut butter and chocolate for folks. Great, awesome. Well, um, is there? This has been great. Is there anything else that we need to know, or, or to you know, take advantage of variable fonts, or, or, or what? Anything else you're excited about? Um, oh gosh. Well, it's really just uh, now starting to really play and and starting to think through what that future is. Um, now that it's becoming this reality, uh, I had. A, a friend get in touch with me from a, a pretty large corporation who's thinking about a custom typeface and they want a recommendation. And 
you know, right away, the first thing I thought of is I need to introduce them to someone who can do this work and do a variable font for them. And we can talk about what different axes of variation they should have. It's healthcare related companies. So accessibility is a big deal, um, you know, especially with different, you know, age populations and stuff. So we can, you know, sort of hit the ground running with all of these ideas in developing this typeface for this company and really set them up to be, you know, one of the first brands to really embrace this and, and, and use it across every media. You know, I mean, all their apps, all their, uh, all the web stuff, um, you know, even so far as like in-store signage and like all this other stuff um, for what they do. And I mean, the possibilities there, especially if you think about it being a corporate standard, they need to deploy it across every employee's desktop. The IT management is also a lot simpler. So, you know, this isn't a tomorrow thing. It's a, you know, it's a soon thing, but that's how it starts. And, and I think that's, it's a pretty awesome future. And I can't wait to start mixing all this stuff together on some editorial designs for the web too. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's all like, um, I think that's what's inspired too by just looking at your slides. Like, like the editorial approaches um, to it is really awesome. And then, like you mentioned earlier, also mixing with the CMS uh, uh, for people to, to you know, pick a variation and, and uh, access a variation if I'm using the free, right? Yeah, exactly. For, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for your, for your time today. How can people get a hold of you uh, online if they want to ask you follow-up questions? Um, I am at J Pomentel, J-P-A-M-E-N-T-A-L, on basically any social network that you could think of, uh, except Snapchat, because I'm too dumb and old to use it. Um, but but Twitter, um, Instagram, if you want pictures of my awesome dogs, Tristan and Tilly, um, or Sunrises at Turner Reservoir. That's what most people know me for. But, um, but yeah, like... Uh, Tweet me, mention me, ask me questions. I this I love nothing more than to help other people get started with this stuff. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. Oh, sure thing. My pleasure.